Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Adam Seba, CEO and co-founder of luxury travel provider, The Luminaire. After spending seven years as a captain in the British Army, serving in Iraq, Afghanistan and Northern Ireland, Adam moved into consultancy, then took leadership roles in the luxury travel and fashion industries. Having spotted a gap in the market for a more experiential, intellectually stimulating travel provider, Adam brought in co-founder Nicholas Priest, and together they launched the Luminaire in 2022. Their aims? To make intellectual travel cool, and to create journeys that further personal growth and enable a deeper, more profound connection with the world. The Luminaire's personalised journeys are hosted by leading thinkers, including photojournalists Sir Don McCullen, CBE, as well as paleontologists and art historians. And in January this year, the company co-created the world's first luxury dinosaur dig trip in Wyoming. Of course they did. It's great to have you here. I've introduced you with much fanfare. In your own words, the Luminaire, where did it come from? Why does it exist, Adam? I believe travel is all about understanding the world. You know, what's the point of traveling and going somewhere amazing if you don't come back with a different perspective, a deeper understanding of what you're there to see? And I looked around and saw that there was just no travel company that was really focusing on curiosity, substantive, interesting experiences, helping a new generation of travelers understand the world in, in a more profound way. And I felt that that needed to be created. You know, I'd grown up going on incredible holidays with my parents where they dragged me around museums and art galleries and I hated it, as everybody does. But then you look back on it and you realize what incredible privilege you had, what an amazing insight you, you got into the world from that. And I realized that I think really accelerated over COVID, people looked at their holidays and their leisure and wanted more from it. During lockdowns, people realized that travel was a luxury and you realize things are a luxury when you don't get to do them. I think the other thing that really accelerated during COVID was the fact that people looked at themselves and were interested in transforming themselves, learning things, spending that time during lockdown you know, making themselves better versions of themselves. And I think that really translated across into people's preferences for holidays because you go somewhere and you want to come away feeling like you've had an experience, feeling like you've learned something, feeling like you've taken something meaningful away, whether it's yourself as a couple or as a family. Is that you, Adam, as well? Because if I look at your life post-university, went into the army, I mentioned Iraq, Afghanistan, Northern Ireland, these are tough places, incredibly tough for those people there and obviously various armies that are then involved. After that, you were then, you know, you've looked into various different things, whether it's in the modes of management consultancy, whether it's in the world of private equity or investment and various different roles. Are you on the perennial search for meaning? And is that why the Luminaire resonates for you personally? I am. And I have always believed that life is a journey of lifelong learning. You know, you've always got something new to learn. And that's definitely been a part of my career. I remember when I left the army, I did an MBA and I 
I turned up on the first day and they asked a question, what were the six types of profit? And you were supposed to be able to name net profit and gross profit and so on and profit before tax. And I didn't even know the difference between the words revenue and profit because I'd come from that army background, which was, you know, a public organization that didn't have that profit objective. So everything I learned on my MBA was new to me and I just lapped it up. I wanted to learn about business. And that's something that I took on into my time at Alex Partners. Every project I was on was a new opportunity to learn. And I, I think the management consultancies are a bit like modern day apprenticeships where you go and you learn and you get exposure to a high level of problems. You know, you sit in the boardroom, you listen to how a CEO talks and thinks about decisions. And, you know, you're lucky to be in that position and you, you can learn from it and then hopefully pick up those lessons and apply them later in your own career. What made you go into the army, Adam? And how did that affect you as a, as a person? I don't mean how, what did you learn because... I know that you'll say, well, Elliot, there were three things that I learned. One was around resilience. Another one was around, I, don't, I want to know what it actually felt like for you to be in the army. Well, 1999, I was just coming to the end of my time at university. I'd done French law, but I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. And the backdrop was Kosovo and the Balkans and everything that had been going on there. And I really saw the army as a force for good in the world. I envisaged that I could spend a couple of years in the army with an introduction to leadership and management and potentially go into politics or international relations or diplomacy, work with NGOs out in the Balkans and feel like I'd done some good in the world. And actually my second day in the army was 9-11. So everything changed and, you know, I had a very, very different time. I ended up, as you say, going to Iraq, but I took some incredible lessons out of it. When you're in those situations like the ones that, that I was in in Iraq in 2005, setting up new structures in the country, new regiments in the new Iraqi army, it really felt like I was doing something with great purpose. And it taught me about how to solve problems without precedent, what I call problems without precedent, where no one's ever done it before. There's no playbook. You're having to really make it up as you go along and find the solutions and create frameworks for yourself. And so when I left the army, and this is something I'm really passionate about, veterans transitioning, because I went through this experience myself, you have to understand and relate to business what it is you learned in the army and how you can apply that in a different context. And for me, I had understood that I'd been in difficult situations and being creative and finding solutions. And really, for me, the way to take that was turnaround consulting, going into businesses with problems and difficulties, working out how to fix them. And what I learned was that I'd picked up the difficult bits of that, you know, working with a hostile management team that don't want you to be there, having been brought in by a private equity company, you know, creating that the goodwill and that immediate injection of trust into a relationship, which were the sort of things that I'd done on operations in the army. You know, the easy bits were relatively easy bits. We're learning how to do the Excel modeling and sort of the legwork behind those restructurings and turnarounds. But I was lucky to have some really supportive colleagues when I joined who were able to, to teach me those things. Obviously, I haven't served in the army, but I know plenty of people that have. Compared to business life, though, is there not this, maybe there isn't, and you'll, you'll tell me, this, this adrenaline 
or this sense of purpose, which is existential, which is about life and death, which is about, and I know you're not necessarily in a war zone the whole time, but you are, and you may be involved two or three steps back from the front line. But when you came out of it, wasn't there a sense of none of this is as important as the thing I've just been doing? That's a really good question. And yes, it did take me quite a few years after the army to make that mental transition. And I think it's so part of one's identity when when you're there. What is it you do is always the second question that people always ask you. But I think, you know, I was 29 when I left and I had a very strong sense that I wanted a second chapter in business in my life. I'd read some books about business that had really got me interested in that and completed my MBA. And I think that gave me a sense of purpose. You know, one of the projects that I went on with with the consulting firm was helping prevent a large insolvency. You know, we saved thousands of jobs by turning this company around before it went insolvent. And I got a huge, you know, feeling of doing something valuable from that equivalent to, to what I'd, what I'd mm. had in the army. So with me for much more from my guest there is Adam Seba. He'll be back in a couple of minutes. Right now, we're going to hear a clip from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions, and they can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Dares Victoria Piggott talks about ESG, which is, of course, environmental, social, and governance, and what the resulting long-term benefit is for businesses putting purpose before profit. The Mishcon Academy digital sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. People have always made choices based on their beliefs. And so socially responsible investing is is not new. But ESG is relatively new. The phrase was first coined in 2005. And socially responsible investing and ESG are actually different. So ESG is based on an assumption that ESG factors have financial relevance. It was the former UN Secretary Kofi Annan who really started the movement in 2005. And he wrote to 50 chief execs of major financial institutions because he wanted to integrate ESG into the capital markets. He was saying it's good business sense, it's more sustainable and it's better for society. So obviously it's been going on for 15 years. And there are some people who say, well, you know, maybe this is a fad. But I don't think that's right either because If you look at the way in which technology has enabled everything to be more transparent, the data is available. And you have to look at people's access to tech, which empowers them to express their own values in investing. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to compromise on returns. A really obvious example here is climate change and how scientific certainty has forced directors towards good stewardship because the impact that businesses can have on the environment is now incredibly clear. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. My guest there is Adam Seba, CEO and co-founder of luxury travel provider, The Luminaire. 
The other thing I wanted to think about with regard to to business life, Adam, and and the relationship between that and being in the army is camaraderie and that sense of, you know, you're working with your brothers, your sisters, you're working with people, and there's a really strong sense of combined purpose. As you've moved through now to create this business, how have you instilled that sense of joint purpose for everyone that works with you? What is it that you do to to make that happen? Because that's a question that a lot of founders grapple with as they try to create this this united sense of what it's all about, what the mission is. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, to be honest, I've found all throughout my business career that working with smart, driven people, you actually do get that similar sense of camaraderie. You know, I call it just having each other's back and knowing that you have that level of trust within an organization. It takes time to build. And it's, I think, for the leader to demonstrate that he's willing or she's willing to go the extra mile to deliver that trust, to have somebody else's back in the organization, help them out with a piece of work, help them out with a deadline, step in. And then that creates a culture where other people are willing to do that. You know, and it might be a deadline on a Friday afternoon to get an itinerary out to a client that wants to go on an incredible trip. Mm -hmm. Or it could be a piece of reporting for the board but if you've got that level of trust within the organization, it's, it's absolutely not unique to, to the military. I think it's just built through trust and common purpose and working together as a team. And give me a sense, because when I do research for, for each of my guests, I'm always, you know, the world is an extraordinary place. People do all these amazing things. But you're literally, your business is all about exactly that. Give me a sense of one of the trips that you've curated because I looked at, there was some Antarctica stuff, there was stuff in Somerset, I mentioned the dinosaurs in Wyoming. Of all the things that you sort of built, which one tickles your fancy the most? If you had unlimited time and money, Adam, where would you be going tomorrow with well, the Luminaire? For me, it's, it's not about unlimited time or, or money. It's about the experience that you, you have when you're there. And you know, actually, one of the first trips that we ever built, I really think captured the DNA of what we were trying to do. It's about three things for me that make an incredible trip. It's a place, the scenery, the environment, something rare, something inaccessible, a place you've always wanted to go to, an expert, some sort of insight, and then a subject. And I think those three things combine together to create a trip with a hook. And so one of the first trips we created was around Venice. And it's a place where people, a lot of people will have gone to. It's, it's not a, an unusual destination. But we wanted to take that as a challenge. And how could we create a trip to Venice, really popular destination in Europe, but through a new lens and give that destination, that location, a new angle. And so we worked with this incredibly charismatic guide, Francesco de Mosta, whose family had lived in Venice for a thousand years. And that in itself made me stop and think, what is it that makes somebody stay in one place for a thousand years? That's extraordinary. And the answer came down to the water. You know, Venice owes its longevity to the fact that it's a port. Its ability to trade and bring in money and capital, which funded the Renaissance and the art and culture and drove that cycle. But I think what's really interesting is the paradox that water is actually the thing that is threatening Venice the most, the climate change. So Venice as a city now is an ambassador for, for climate change, for rising sea levels. And so we wanted to take guests to Venice and 
bring them back as ambassadors to Venice, bring them back as ambassadors to climate change through an immersive restoration of architecture, actually being involved and hands-on with that is a very, very unusual and unique travel experience. And of course, you know, an opportunity to see the art and culture and history and everything else that you want to go and see in Venice, but through the eyes of a native. So for me, I, I keep coming back to that as the core of our DNA, like a place, an expert, and an insight that together combined to create a, an unusual experience. You're very measured to me, and I meet lots of people, very, very measured and very thoughtful, Adam, about the way you think about life. You've, we've mentioned your journey itself has been one of sort of searching for meaning in a way and always looking to do something of value in it that has purpose in it. Your father, Jazz FM finance director in the 90s, I've been told. Also, more famously for me, because if you haven't seen this amazing YouTube video, Mark Seba was the CEO of Netaporte, fantastic business. And there is a film on YouTube. If you just Google Mark Seba, most popular CEO or something, it's been seen a million, million times. How much of your own, of who you are, is down to your dad and your mum and that? And how much of it is just Adam chose to go to the army? Adam is like this. I'm just interested in context. Well, both my parents have had very successful careers. My mother as a writer, you know, my father in business. The army was in some ways a rebellion because I think they had assumed that I would become a lawyer, that I was on the straight and narrow having done, done that at university. But, you know, I wanted to tread my own path in that way and I felt a really strong calling for that. But when I came out at 29, I was seeing what my father was doing at the time, I think, was a huge inspiration. And he came to Netaporte late in life. It was really the last 10 years of his career. And, you know, he sadly died too young, really, at the end of that. But I guess you can learn from that that, you know, life is a journey. Mm. And, you know, you may not find what it is that you're really looking for. You know, he found that light and enjoyment in his last job really in his 60s it was hugely inspirational to see him building something from nothing you know he went into to that company for a two-day finance assignment and then stayed for 12 years and as you said you know left with that that video i love the fact that my mum brought him down to earth by re reminding him that fenton the dog had had more views than him <laughs> um but uh you know it, it's definitely you know both my parents have always been really driven. And my mum's in her 70s now, and she still writes every day and broadcasts and travels the country doing lectures and gets an enormous sense of self out of that. You know, a, a lot of people would have retired at that age, mm. but, you know, she's really driven to keep doing something for just for purpose. Do, do you think that puts you in an unusual position as a, as a veteran? Because you, you have seen those two people super successful, super driven by their purpose, as well as being very good at what they do. How do you think about other veterans that come out and don't know what to do? Is that something that you that you engage with? Yeah, I mean, hugely passionate about that because that's definitely an experience I had. I don't think that any veteran knows what it is they want to do when they leave. Or if they do, it's very, very unusual. And when I joined my consulting firm, they put me in projects that they thought an ex-army officer would like. I did oil and gas, aerospace and defense, chemicals and packaging in, in Germany. Uh, anything with a large workforce, maybe not a very nice place to go. Logistics. <laughs> yes. Logistics, 
and industrials yeah. and, you know, particularly aerospace and defense, they thought I would have something to add there. But what I really discovered that I, I loved was the, the sort of the FMCG world, the luxury world, the consumer world, because it was all about the marketing. It was understanding what a consumer wanted and wanting to serve that, needing to be fast moving and responsive to consumer needs. And it just took me time to work out that that was where I was going to enjoy working in terms of the, the sector. And I think being passionate about the product, being able to emote with the product is the most important thing, I think, for being happy and successful and making you want to get up in the morning and do more of what you're doing. Final chat coming up with my guest, Adam Serber, in just a moment. We've also got some new music from Lady Blackbird. That's all coming up here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Adam Serber is my business shaper. Just for a few more minutes, a lot of what we've talked about is about what you think about the world, about your beliefs and your values. Tell me about how your values are informing the Luminaire business. I know that sustainability is important, obviously, and we all know that jumping on a plane willy-nilly is going to not be great for the environment. And obviously, overuse through tourism of different locations is obviously not good for all sorts of reasons. It might be biodiversity. It might be just respect for local people. What is it that's driving the, the way that the Luminaire behaves? Well, I genuinely believe, and I know the team share this view, is that travel is about understanding the world and people's perspectives. And that does help the world become a better place. The more that we understand about different cultures and the world we live in, the better that we can interact as, as humans with each other. I believe that travel must be impactless. So when we set up the business right from day one, we had the Luminaire Foundation, which gives 1% of our sales to causes related to conservation, preservation, and education, the three elements that are important to us as a business. And um, you know, we've been really proud to work with the World Monuments Fund this year, helping support some of their causes. You know, there was the devastating fire in Easter Island. I know that some of our contributions have gone directly to help that. And there is definitely an importance, I think, for travel companies to be carbon neutral and not have an impact on the environment. That's something that we've built into the business from day one. And I think that starting up a new business gives you that opportunity to create a framework from day one where you can incorporate the things that are needed to make a business sustainable. Good luck with everything. I mean, it's a beautiful business. Looks beautiful to me. Just surveying the uh, the website and one day maybe i'll even work out how i can jump on one of those trips just before i let you disappear to that and what's your song choice and why have you chosen it so i've chosen bb king better not look down it's a song that i've probably listened to a hundred times a couple of years ago i had a crazy desire to run an ultra marathon in the american desert and of course you did it i did do it how long did it take so it was a six-day marathon, six marathons, but in the middle there was a double. And <laughs> I'm saying this is someone who I've done one marathon and I hated it. Hated well, it. I don't know how you can do six with a double. That's the, ridiculous. The scenery was amazing and it took my mind off it. And the music took my mind off it as well. But what about all um, the blisters? Your so skin. I, I, I didn't get any blisters. Adam Seber is superhuman. <laughs> but the, um, 
I didn't want to listen to music while I was running because I really wanted to enjoy the, the scenery and the environment. But I thought for the nighttime one, for the double, I, I wanted a playlist that would keep me going. And the words of the B.B. King song, Better Not Look Down, Just Keep Going, just felt right to be on that playlist. So I listened to it all through my training and I can't hear it now without thinking about that amazing scenery in the, in the desert. That was B.B. King with Better Not Look Down, the song choice of my business shaper today, Adam Seba. He talked about a journey of lifelong learning. He loves to learn. He talked about it taking a long time for him to work out what he wanted to do. In other words, if that's you, don't worry. It's completely normal. He talked about having each other's back and what the army had taught him about camaraderie and about the importance of team. And he talked about, for him, critically, you have to be passionate about the product. Great stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.